eating a big hunk bar cowboy camping because do you know what a big hunk bar is Mm-mm. okay a big hunk bar is a big old slab of nougat with peanuts in it and it takes a solid like 10 minutes to chew through it because it's just like this super hard like chewy taffy and they're delicious and what you do is you cowboy camp and you look up at the stars and you think about the universe and you chew through an entire big hunk bar and it's the best it's the best thing in the entire world <laughs> like it is my favorite thing me and my buddy squints did it almost every single night on the pct from the sierras on i can always start again You're listening to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Cheesebeard, known off-trail as Josh Tippett. He has styled his life around thru-hiking since stepping on the Appalachian Trail in 2015, and upon completing the Continental Divide Trail in 2017, he became a triple crowner as well, discovering a love of photography during the miles and months on the trail. In 2018, he and Oilcan, whom you will meet in a few weeks, collaborated to create and hike the Greater Yellowstone Traverse. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you'll find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Cheesebeard. Hello. Hey, Josh. How hey, you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. So you feeling good? Yeah, feeling all right. Uh, also, I was wondering. I, I looked at your podcast Instagram, but have you have you watched trails? Have you done or? I haven't done any. Like I am the poster okay. child for this. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. No. My my goal is to do the PCT in 2020 uh, for awesome. my 50th birthday year. Cool. So that's the perfect trail. <laughs> let me tell you, the PCT is the best. So now, why why do you say that? Uh, just like the the consistent beauty of the trail, how well maintained it is. It is literally the perfect trail. Like I can't like the PCT is absolutely unbelievable. Just you're literally wow. constantly steeped in beauty. There's not a boring section on there. There's there's tough sections, but nothing is boring. So perfect. I, I have almost no complaints about the PCT, and then just like the culture, I really liked it compared to the AT culture because it was mm-hmm. a little less crowded the year I did it. I know that like it's picking up in popularity, yeah. but uh, yeah, just like God, it was the first time I guess I could say I was in like big mountains because I've lived mm-hmm. on the East Coast my whole life. So that was the first time like I got to see some real, real big mountains. So. And there are some doozies on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But and the Sierras and then the Northern Cascades. like Yeah. No, I keep like looking at people's Instagram and posts and things like that about the PCT specifically. Everybody seems to kind of wax poetic about Washington. Is it mm-hmm. really that much different from the rest of the trail? Or is it just you're so close to the oh, end yeah. that... No. The final 500 miles are the best 500 miles and the final 200 miles, especially 
are some of the best trail I've ever hiked. Like really? final 200 miles are pretty special. It's just super unique. Um, you know, like the vast majority of the trail is desert. So you've been steeped in desert for a long time. And then all of a sudden you break through into the Pacific Northwest in mm-hmm. your final, like two days of Oregon, you start getting into like more like, you know, what you imagine as Pacific Northwest, like the big trees and like, uh, cooler temperatures and, uh, more water sources. And then all right. of a sudden just like Washington explodes around you with these like crazy green mountains that are somehow still massive, like massive glaciated mountains, like Rainier, like way off in the distance. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's pretty, it's pretty unreal. Very cool. Are you planning Nobo? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah. The traditional. That makes sense too. Yep. Yep. It's a good way to do it. I think. Yeah. Now you're, you're a photographer by trade. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously each of these trails have provided you because you are a triple crowner. So congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Hey, thank you. But each of these trails kind of provides you the, the, the perfect opportunity for photography. What, what did you find? I mean, was, was one trail easier to do certain types of shots on or another or? Yeah, interesting. Uh, so I actually picked up photography. I learned photography on the AT in the first you like learned couple, last couple of miles. Yeah, I like I had a friend who was shooting film and there's, you know, when you're hiking, there's literally nothing to do but just chat, you know. So like, you know, I I just like sometimes get weird interest in things. So I started talking to him about film and I was just trying to learn everything I could about it. So like he kind of taught me little bits and pieces. And then the next year when I went to go do the PCT, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like buy a camera. And so I looked at all these digital cameras and I couldn't decide what to get. And he was hiking the trail with me and he had just bought a backup camera. And so he gave me that camera just to shoot with. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I just, I learned along the way on the PCT. So like wow. I knew the basics, but then I like started to develop how to shoot and like start to develop my eye was on the PCT. But the PCT, I like, I almost want to go back and redo the PCT just so I can shoot photography because <laughs> I feel like since I was learning, I missed so many opportunities just because I was trying to figure out like who I am with that and like what I'm interested in shooting. Mm-hmm. So I vastly prefer my CDT photography to my PCT photography, if I'm totally honest. And that's because of me, not the trail. Right. Right. So. The evolution of a photographer. Yeah, just trying to like, yeah, figure out kind of like what you're into shooting and like figure out certain like tricks to composition and how to apply that in a setting of hiking. And it all a lot of it comes down to gear too. Like I found that on the, on the PCT, I kept my camera on my back pouch of my Hyperlite. Okay. And so if I wanted to take a picture, I'd have to stop, take off my pack and then pull out the camera, shoot with it, put it back keep Mm -hmm. going. So a lot of times I get to a view and I'd be tired. I'd be like, (laughs) Oh man, like this is pretty sick, but no way am I taking off my pack right now. Like, fuck that. I need to, I want to get to camp. Like I just want to go to bed. But on the CDT, I found out a way to keep my camera on my chest. Like I replaced my sternum strap with a camera harness so that like I could just like whip out my camera all the time. So I went from shooting like I think I shot like two and a half, three thousand photos on the PCT to I shot around like nine to ten thousand photos on the CDT. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now so what, what lots, did you what did more. you do with the strap? Or was it literally just cutting out the, the chest strap and 
sewing in or replacing it with a camera. So there's this, I was like Googling forever trying, cause I had the idea. I was like, man, I wish I could like carry my camera on my front. Like I, I thought about keeping it in the water bottle pocket and I was like, yeah, I just like feel like that's still like, you got to reach behind you and it's an inconvenience. So it's an excuse mm-hmm. not to do it. So I was like, I wish there was some way to put it on my chest. So I started searching like camera harness and like, you know, things like that. And through that, I found, uh, this, uh, chest harness thing called the um they're called uh the keyhole and it literally is this old it looks like it's from the 90s like the packaging is almost comical there's like a 35 millimeter film camera on the picture and it just literally replaces your sternum strap so it's like four points of contact with a little plate and then you put Mm -hmm. a base plate in the camera and then it slides into the middle of your chest oh brilliant and it's awesome yeah it works super well oh that's fantastic okay no, that because that is one of the things that I want to make sure that I have with me is a, you know, a good camera. Yeah. A DSLR, you know, that's full yep. frame if possible and, and the whole bit. So definitely. Yep. That now, is, wh- that's the best option, in my opinion, for carrying a camera on trail. That's what's worked best for me so far. Mm-hmm. What kind of lenses did you bring? Um, so on the PCT. Uh, I, okay. So I ran through several different cameras on the PCT. I started with an a 6,300, which is a crop sensor Sony. Uh, and I had the kit lens, which is like 16 to 55, I think. And then I had a 55 millimeter prime, which on crop sensor, I think is like 80 millimeters. Okay. Um, and that worked okay. And then I was shooting an a seven R two that I borrowed and I was shooting a 16 to 35 and then a 90 millimeter macro. Uh, and then I bought my own camera and I bought the 55 millimeter prime and a 24 millimeter prime, but my favorite lens, which is what I use now and is what I used, uh, for the trail. I just did the, uh, GYT, mm-hmm. um, is the, one you the 24 to, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the one that we routed through, uh, I used a 24 to 105 F4 and I could not imagine a better lens for trail. Uh, so a 24 to 105. So you did take a zoom with you essentially and. Yep. Yeah. And you, and you took yep. that weight. Zoom is the way to go. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. Uh, the camera is, pr- it's, it's pretty ridiculous. My camera weighs more than any other like system in my pack. It's significantly <laughs> heavier. Yeah. Like the body I think is like 30 ounces and I think the lens is 30 ounces. So 60 ounces plus extra batteries. Plus, I kept a camera bag this time because my keyhole broke and I was too cheap to buy a new one. So I just used a camera bag and clipped it with carabiners and slid it onto my front. So <laughs> you uh, you MacGyvered it pretty, pretty much. Yeah, just kind of like made it work. Yeah. So it, it sounds like like in the question that I've been asking people, which is what did you take from the trail back into real life? And it sounds like photography was a big one for you. Yeah, yeah, photography for sure. You know, I don't, I don't always do photography when I'm at home because, like, what I'm interested in shooting is like mountains. I like shooting portraits of people, like when they're struggling or like in the moment. Um, so I don't always shoot at home, but uh, yeah, definitely photography is the biggest thing I probably took away from like the trail. That and just like I don't know, it changes kind of the way you look at life. Mm-hmm. Um, some things seem a lot less important. You know, kind of like what you can push yourselves to the limits, like in your head as well as your body. So a lot of times, like 
I don't know. I just don't take things as serious. I used to, you know, right. just yeah. kind of like let things kind of breeze by. It's really not, not life or death. Much. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Now, what do you do for a living? What do you do for work or? Yeah. So I kind of bounce around. Uh, I pick up usually temporary jobs. I come home. I live at my parents' house. I work until I have enough money, and then I go back and do either travel or hut trails until I run out of money, rinse, repeat. So mm-hmm. I'm really lucky in that regard to where I have like, you know, this system that I can kind of fall back onto. But uh, right now I'm working at a bakery, so I'm oh, making cool. croissants and bread. Yeah, nice. but I've done bar jobs, work in kitchens, literally whatever I can get. So, so it sounds like your your whole life livelihood experience of this life is centered around trail and the the through hike and, and that kind of stuff. And you've, and you've just built your life and, and all of the aspects of it around doing that. Yes. Yeah. I, I, my whole goal is to get back out there. So I do whatever it takes to go out again. So I come back and, you know, I'm probably going to start, I'm going to settle down in the next couple of years. I'm not going to hit trails like I have been doing because I would mm-hmm. like some more stability in my life. But yeah, the past couple of years have literally been work to go out and hike or travel. Right. Now, did that, because the AT was the first trail that you did. So mm-hmm. yep. was, was that the way it was before the AT or did that sort of evolve from doing the AT? Uh you know, I was in college, I was working, I was saving up, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. And then I guess like, doing the AT made me realize like, what makes me happy, and what I wanted to pursue. So I say the AT probably influenced how I chose mm-hmm. to live my life for the past few years. Okay, what pushed you to get on the AT to begin with? Um, I honestly was just in like a really dark place mentally. And I really didn't know what I want to do with life. I knew I didn't want to go into like a career job. I knew about the AT that sounded interesting. I knew I was happy when I was in the outdoors. Like I I was a rock climber before I was a hiker and uh, just like trying to find happiness and try to figure out, I wanted to figure out my life pretty much. So Mm -hmm. I took off to do the AT. Nice. That seems like a, a way that a lot of people find the trails. Yep. Definitely. I've, I've heard a lot of other people tell me similar stories of yeah. kind of like dark place, just trying to figure out their life. Yeah. And what better way to do it than five months of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do but think and walk. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I, I know that you did, and I and I watched it a couple of times, I admit. Um, you did a gear rundown from the CDT uh, oh, on nice. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. From, what is it, Pie on the Trail? Yep. Yep. My buddy pie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to recommend people who listen to this and want to find out more to go see that because you actually did an, a fantastic job of like running down the, the equipment and, and explaining kind of why, what your thinking is behind each piece actually. But well, I did want to touch base uh, maybe on a broader term in terms of the kind of the, the four or five things that I, I uh, sent to you, which was, you know, the feet, the tent, the sleeping bag, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Though obviously we don't need to drill down because there is that video out there. Um, unless sure, you've sure. got something, uh, unless you've got a great story relating to it. And then I definitely want to hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, feet. I mean, we can start with feet. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty lucky on the AT. I had almost no issues. 
Pennsylvania is the only time that my feet really got messed up, and that's just all the rocks. You just take a beating and your bones end up hurting. Uh, the PCT, however, is full of sand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I had my shoes dialed in. I was using the Oboe Sawtooths, um, which are kind of like a heavier hiking shoe. Mm-hmm. And I thought those were like the shoe for me because I went through like, I think four or five different models on the AT. And then I, the ones that worked the best for me were the Oboes. So I took those out and I got blisters day one. Oh, and geez. I ended up with blisters for 500 miles of just agony. They were really bad. I just remember like it was hard to take a break because when you would stand back up and start walking again, the first like 30 yards were just excruciating with each step. You could feel just like the raw skin and like ah. bubbles of flesh on your feet squishing. <laughs> and uh, so that was rough. I never really found anything that worked for me. But I think I was in the wrong pair of shoes. And it was on the PCT that I found uh, La Sportiva Wildcats. And those just worked for me really well. And I think something that, like, my one of my biggest pieces of advice is with feet is find a shoe that actually works for you. Because um, every shoe is based on a different foot model. Yeah. And, like, not everybody, people just don't have the same feet. You know, everybody's feet are different. Um, and there's a shoe out there for you. You just have to like dial it in and find the right one. Um, and once I found Las Portiva Wildcats, I've had almost no problems since then. Okay. Um, on the CDT, when I started, I had a really weird pain in my foot. It felt like I had stepped on a nail uh, day <laughs> one. Jesus. And then thankfully, our glacier permits, we were only able to do six miles our second day. And I was doing everything I could. I was like massaging tendons, like trying to do something. and uh, I bumped into this girl who was flip-flopping on the CDT, and she was like, yeah, I had a problem like that last year, and I just loosened my shoelaces, and I already, I always keep my shoelaces pretty loose, but I was, like, desperate, so I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll try anything. Like, I don't think that's it, but, like, this pain is unbearable, so I loosened my shoelaces even more, and the next day, it subsided, and within four days, I had no pain, so. Really? Yeah, it was super weird. So loose shoelaces and find the right pair of shoes yeah. are my and, two biggest. And when you say feet. loose loose shoelaces, all the way up or towards the top or over the arch or I do loose shoelaces all the way up. Um I also for me I I undo the first like loop, you know? It's got okay. it like the ones like the final ones that go up by your ankle and stuff. Mm-hmm. I won't do that one. I only have it stop like on the top of my foot. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you use gaiters oh. at all? I use gaiters on the AT. Uh, I brought the, I had a pair of dirty girls on the PCT, but it was so sandy. I bought a new pair and they shredded in, in two days. I went from having a working pair of gaiters to no gaiters at all. <laughs> then I just ditched them and I've never worn them again. Okay. And that, and that didn't pose a problem for you? No, I never, never had a problem without gaiters. I mean, you know, your feet get a bit more dirty, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're a necessary piece of gear. They're nice, but right. they just are expensive and they tend to tear on my feet. And maybe it's from my gait or something weird like that, but they don't seem to last very long for me. What were you doing for sock-wise? Uh, socks? My favorite socks are Beligas. Um, I typically wear Darn Tufts because their exchange policy is so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the... Uh, the outfitters, they'll switch them out for you. So a lot of time you nice. get into town and you've got shredded darn tufts. You can wash them, 
take them into a gear shop and be like, Hey, do you darn tough exchanges? And like 75% of the time they'll be like, yeah, no problem. Like go choose some off the shelves and you just give them the old socks and you go get fresh socks in the outfitters. So because they have that policy, I typically go with them. That's priceless uh, on the trail. Yeah. It's super good. Um, when I was on the PCT, I tried the Njinji's cause everybody was like, if you've got blister problems, try the Njinji toe socks. Um, I hate them, but that's just cause I can't stand things between my toes. I think it's really uncomfortable and they also shredded within a hundred miles just Ooh. from the sand. They're not very strong t- socks. Yeah, no, that's a problem. What were you doing? Um, like tent wise, did you do a lot of cowboy camping or, but you brought a tent with you? Uh, yeah, so I, I did carry a tent. I carried the, uh, tarp tent pro trail for PCT. Um, great tent, uh, especially for the price. Like that's one of the best bangs for your buck, I think. Um, but I only set it up maybe, maybe a dozen times. I cowboy camped. Really? Cowboy camping is my favorite way to live. I love it. Um, yeah, I only, I only set up my tent if it looked like there was going to be weather or if the mosquitoes were too bad when I was in the Sierras. Um, CDT, I carried the Gossamer gear, the one. And that's an also, that's also a really good tent. Um, and I set that up more on the CDT just cause the weather, you get more condensation and more freezing at night, but I still try to cowboy camp as much as possible. Okay. Now with the tarp tents, it's basically just a tarp. So it's an A-frame, but there's no sides to it. There's no floor to it. So that's the tarp, the tarp tent. Uh, they do, they do, uh, Henry Spires. It's, it's got a bathtub floor, uh, mosquito okay. netting and, uh, just like it's a single wall. All the tents I've used on trail have been single wall tents. Okay. But yeah, uh, except for actually the AT, I used the Stratospire 2 by uh, Tarp Tent, and that that's a two-wall tent. Mm-hmm. But that thing was luxurious mansion. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge two-person tent, but and it was way too heavy, but that's what I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you find, like for the first one, for the AT, were you kind of using gear that you had slightly augmented, and then you've evolved your pack and your and your trail gear over the course? Yes. Definitely. And everybody's packs and mine included like evolve with every trail. I learned something new and switch something out. But the AT, I had worked at a summer camp for the past three years leading kids backpacking. So mm-hmm. I had, I had decent gear. I had the, uh, I had a Osprey pack. Um, so I used an Osprey for my first trail. I had, a, a the bigger tent. Um, I carried a bunch of stuff I really didn't need and you learn pretty quick what to ditch. And then it gets better as time goes on. You'll figure out more and more stuff to get rid of. Mm-hmm. But almost everybody will start with too much gear. I did the same thing on the PCT. I started with too much gear again, just because I found out how to slim out even more out of my pack. Mm-hmm. What so. was the what was the craziest thing you had with you on the AT that that at some point you were just like, okay, done, gone. Ooh, let me think about that. I had like a big puffy sweater at first which was really nice and luxurious. And we, I did get down in the Smokies. I got down to 12 degrees. Um, So I was like happy to have it, but it was also just ridiculous. Like it's not something you would like go out and buy. This was like a goodwill, like giant puffy Nordic sweater. That was probably like three or four sizes too big for me. (laughs) (laughs) So that one was, uh, that's a little excessive. I sent that home. Something that everybody said I wouldn't use. And I like, hard committed to is I actually brought a nook 
with me or a Kindle with me. And uh, I read every single Harry Potter book, plus like one of the Lord of the Rings books while I was on the uh, AT. So, and that was sort of your around the campfire, whatever. Reading. Yeah, just like every single night I would read my book because then, like, no matter how bad the day was, I knew that I was going to be reading Harry Potter at night and then it wouldn't be so bad. What'd you do on the PCT and the CDT? Uh, I did not. I stopped carrying it because that's when I started doing more serious miles. I was really relaxed on the AT. I did like six months, two or six months, one week to finish it. And then PCT, I started crushing and it was literally like wake up, walk until it was bedtime. And then by the time it got to bedtime, you just crash really hard. You just fall asleep because you're so tired. Wow. You know, I shot pictures. That was my luxury item. What, 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 what kind of mileage would you say that was? Um, I think normal on the PCT, I was doing like 25. And also it varied because, you know, when you're in the desert, you nap for most of the day. But mm-hmm. point being, I just didn't, you know, a normal day for me on the AT was 15. Normal day for me on the PCT was like, 25 at the end i finished the trail doing 10 30 plus mile days in a row so i was like really pushing at the end was that because of weather and that or are you just ready to be done uh it was uh we had plans to go to uh japan afterwards with my japanese friends who i met on the trail um so we had tickets for that uh but that was mixed with just like weather as well which is funny like i think three or four days after we finished uh it started snowing in washington and we finished with uh you know like no snow at all and they finished some of my friends finished with a couple inches on the ground okay when did you start pct Mm, i think like may May 1st was the day i started the pct and you finished around the middle of september right September 16th. Okay. So you were, I mean, you were doing some pretty serious mileage to get done that quickly. Was, was, uh, yeah, we, we pushed pretty hard, but also, uh, we would like chill out and take zero days and Nero days. And we, uh, my group liked towns. <laughs> we, we would hang out in towns. So, which actually begs the question, like, were you essentially a solo hiker that found a trail family or were there a group of you that started together and, and planned on staying together? Uh, the AT I took off on my own. I had a friend who joined me for the first like 60, 70 miles just to get me on trail. Mm-hmm. And then I just met people along the way. And then I uh, found my trail family when I was in Virginia. And then I hiked the rest of the way with them. And then the PCT, I started with one of those guys. And then we built a massive group. It was kind of silly. We at one point we had like 13, 14 people hiking with us. How so is I've, that? It's it's pretty fun. I like hiking in a group. I really like hiking <laughs> in a big group. Just because it's so I don't know. It's fun. Everybody's rolling together like in this just ridiculous crowd. And it's fun to have so many different people to hang out with and like build some like really strong friendships as you go. And it wasn't always like that. People would like come and go and our group would get smaller, but I really like hiking in a group. I don't like hiking alone. I just kind of like, I'm such a social person that I need uh, like people to hang out with. I don't think I would ever do a trail like truly solo. So I, I take it the CDT was this was a similar case where you had at least one person or a couple people with you. And then we started with, I think like 10 of us and we oh, finished, wow. I finished with six of them, I think made it to the end. And that was just because of attrition or did people leave and, and do their own hikes? 
It was our trail family that all started, uh, and a lot of people quit the CDT. Okay. The CDT is a whole other beast. It's a, it's that one's pretty rough mentally and physically. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty abusive, <laughs> to say the least. Do you ever do you ever like as you're hiking and you're feeling the the pains and the whatever of of the hiking, you know, kind of think of it as being in an abusive kind of relationship. Like you're you're out uh, there, and you take it every day. Yeah, definitely, definitely on the CDT. It's just like, what the hell am I doing out here? Like, what am I proving? Like, what? Why am I still doing this? This is absolute brutality. And yeah, certain days on the PCT too, AT especially because I was so out of shape and just like, I don't know, just went for it. My training for all these trails was doing twelve ounce curls and playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> so optimum training. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Booze and games. Um. You were saying, I mean, you were hiking with a group, but did you find yourself even like during the day, like the group would scatter a little bit and then come together at night, like an agreed upon place at night or is it somebody yes. would just stop and then everybody would catch up with them or. Yeah. Typically the way it goes is like, I, I also really like hiking by myself. Um, okay. So like, and when I say that, I just mean like during the day, like mm-hmm. a lot of times I like to, my favorite thing to do is to put in a podcast and just be alone and hike and then like meet up at the end of the day. So typically, like, you know, towards the afternoon, like group up, somebody, somebody towards the front, like takes a break and then people catch up to them and you just kind of like see your friends sit down. You're like, oh, great idea. And plop down next to them. And then just like people meet up and you're like, yeah, we should go like another three, four miles and then set up camp. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how it goes. There's never like there's like loose game plans, but it just kind of changes throughout the day and you bump into each other, usually meet up for lunch with like the majority of people, sometimes it'll be like two groups spread out somewhere, but right. And as long as somebody's not, or as long as people are being flexible about, yeah, it. definitely. Yep. And most people in a group, like they're, if people are not being flexible, they'll hike solo is typically how it goes because if they're on their own schedule, you know, they're, they're going to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Switching back over to kind of gear a little bit, like the the sleeping bag you were using was it was a quilt, right? Uh yeah, the one I used on the uh, on the CDT is an Enlightened Equipment twenty degree quilt. Was that warm enough? No, not at <laughs> okay. all. Um, once we got to Colorado, we had winter moving on us out of nowhere. All the locals were saying it was freak weather. And there were a couple, there was one night in particular that I could not sleep. I was so cold. And, uh, yeah, I wish that I had a heavier, uh, sleeping bag rather than quilt for the Colorado section. That specifically. Yep. Yep. The rest of the time it was pretty okay. Um, a lot of times I got to wear clothes to bed. I don't exactly agree with their, uh, their like temperature rating. Um, it's also really hard to like get that rating with a quilt because there are air leaks out the side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like it. I have like a love hate for my quilt, but that night in particular kind of freaked me out. So right, did you use the quilt on the PCT or the AT? Uh, no. So uh, I suffer from uh, CBS, which is cheap bastard syndrome. So I had <laughs> this really terrible REI twenty degree. Uh, sleeping bag 
I bought it. For, I got it on sale for like 80 bucks. And it's funny because one of my buddies who did all three trails with me, Rusty, he's got the same. He had the same sleeping bag and he used it for all the AT and I did too. And then we both used it for the entirety of the PCT. And God, that thing was so cold, but I was too stubborn to buy a new one because I was like, oh, it works. It's fine. But then I'm like shivering in Washington because all the down is just like matted down into those corners and it wasn't mm-hmm. even 20 degrees to begin with. So yeah, I used a, a really cheap down sleeping bag. Did you have uh, like a, uh, an inflatable mattress underneath you or did you, uh, did you go with the closed, uh, closed cell foam or, uh, I, I do, uh, the, the, what are they called? They're like the thermarest X lights, the like super crinkly, uh, blow up pads. Okay. And did that seem to work for you? I mean, like at least give you a little bit of lift off the ground and. Yeah, I love them. They're, they're tough. Um, and the company's got some really great policies. Uh, the valve will eventually give out. So I did all the AT plus almost all the PCT. And then in Oregon, my valve went out and I called them and they overnighted a a sleeping pad out to me for free. And then I just sent them my old one. Okay. And I've had that one for all of the CDT, the rest of the PCT, um, plus the GYT. Mm-hmm. So that's what I use. I think they're they're comfortable enough. I have I got to prototype the uh, new Big Agnes uh, sleeping pad, and that thing is, is way more comfortable. Okay. But but I just uh, the one I had was not insulated at all, so it's just not warm enough for what I've been doing the past couple trails. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because. It- there's such a range, like you're in the desert, specifically like on the PCT, you're in the desert. I mean, grant you, it is spring, but you're still in the desert. And then you get up to essentially winter is coming by the time you hit Washington. Yeah. Yep. It is a race against winter. The whole trail is. And there's that, you're like in a window of like when you're able to keep going. Now you did the PCT in 16, you did the CDT Mm -hmm. in 17. Yep. Did you have any issues with weather except for the stuff that you hit in Colorado? Uh, Colorado was the only issue, but it, it got really rough. We had to miss the San Juans, which is really unfortunate. We had to take the Creed cutoff, and that was that was that was a huge bummer and also a low point because we had been in snow for uh, probably like a week at that point. And it was like you know you'd be in snow for a bit and then out of snow, but mm-hmm. there are points where we were up into like almost knee deep snow and just brutally cold and everybody's in short shorts and you know, you got short shorts and long johns and that's only going to get you so warm. And eventually the, your feet get wet and then it is just brutal misery. Um, yeah, the, the CDT weather is pretty, pretty intense. We had freezing a couple times up in, uh, Montana. When we were in Montana, we had a couple nights where it got below freezing and Mm -hmm. that was in like, that would have been like July. Oh wow! Yeah, it can it can snow at any time. Now, like, why no you are. why go uh, southbound in, as opposed to northbound on the CDT? Uh it just seemed like it made more sense to me. Just because, like, then you're not racing winter as hard. Um, you still have that like window because Colorado, like, you got to get through Colorado before it starts snowing there. But then New Mexico is going to be warmer. And it was, we got into New Mexico and I have never been so excited to be in the desert. I thought I hated desert hiking and just 
New Mexico was a breath of fresh air to like come out of the freezing mountains and all of a sudden like the sun's hit your body and you're warming back up and man <laughs> it, I I think I made the right choice going southbound on okay. the CDT. It's awesome to get that glacier finish and like if everything runs smoothly, I think a northbound would probably be a more like rewarding hike as far as the finish goes. Mm-hmm. But I think mentally we needed that final bit to be a bit easier just because Colorado broke us so hard. I'm amazed that you didn't lose more people in Colorado. Yeah. um, One of my, uh, one of my favorite people in the world beans, she uh, quit in Colorado. We got to, uh, we decided to do an alternate, which we thought was the official CDT, uh, the Grace Torres route. And you go up um, a 14 er and then ride the spine down and it snowed on us the night before and we woke up and uh as we're approaching the mountain you kind of walk this like gravel road up into a parking lot and then you go take the trail up to the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and uh it's actually i took my favorite picture i've ever taken while we were walking up that way uh it's uh, three of my friends and they're all in short shorts and they're walking straight at this massive snowy mountain on this gravel road and the clouds look really menacing and like, I think it just embodies the CDT of like walking into brutality and like mm-hmm. not fully being prepared for it and just doing it anyway. And uh, yeah, we got up to that parking lot and Beans just, she had been thinking about it for a while, but that was like the final straw. And she was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not going. So yeah. she hitched out from there and we continued on up the mountain. Wow. Yeah. How was, how was hitchhiking on those different trails? Um, it really so it really varies state by state, which is kind of interesting to see. Like California is actually was really hard for us to hitchhike. Um, we got stuck. We went to Bishop when we were in the Sierras to do a resupply, kind of like mid uh, mid Sierras, and mm-hmm. then came back. And on the way back, we got a ride out of Bishop almost immediately. They dropped us off at a gas station, kind of like halfway, and then we tried to hitch for six hours. And we didn't get a single ride. And then there, thankfully, it was a bus that would take us to, I think the town's called Lone Pine, like the smaller right. town that's closer by to the trail. And then we got there, we were planning on like hiding behind like the gas station and cowboy camping. Mm-hmm. And then some random guy was there who was like, oh, are you guys hiking the PCT? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, you want to ride up? We're like, absolutely. <laughs> so we grabbed Subway subs and then he rode us back up to the, to the trailhead. But uh, Montana's really easy to hitchhike in. I've never had an issue with Montana this year when we were in Montana, we were hitchhiking and we had three cars pull over for us. One of which was a Mercedes, like wow. literally like got out, put the thumb out and three cars pulled over. Damn. So Montana is the dream. Apparently. Yeah. But I guess Montana is so big and everything is so spread out that you got to help your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's that like sense of community, I guess. And like, yeah, it was cool because, like, you know, usually you get picked up by other outdoorsy people, but mm-hmm. everybody in Montana there just had no idea what we were doing. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Hop in. How big were the groups that you guys were hitchhiking or that you were hitchhiking with? Uh, so we so when we're in big groups, we split up. So typically okay. what you do is, like, honestly, like, two is ideal. Three isn't bad. Four is doable. Past that, it gets kind of rough. So... If you guys all end up at the road at the same time, you try to like give each other space so one group can hitchhike out while the other people are finishing up the hike to the road. But if that doesn't work, the first group hitches and then other people sit off to the side. And when a car pulls over, 
you pretty much just try to see how many people they'll let into their car. So you're mm-hmm. like, hey, we got some more friends. Like, is it cool if they <laughs> hop in? And if it's like a truck, they're like, I mean, I don't know if there's space. And we're like, no, 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 it's cool. We can cram. And they're like, I mean, you can try. And then you hop in and like crush in and fold yourselves up as best you can. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're like cool with you cramming in, we'll cram a ridiculous oh, amount of bikes into a car. Yeah, it can kind of get silly sometimes. Yeah. I, the picture, as you're describing that, the picture in my mind is ha- the woman is standing on the side of the road with her thumb out. You get somebody to pull over, and all of a sudden, like the hordes come from the from the sides. That that's an accurate that's an accurate description. It is always easier to hitchhike with a girl in the group. It makes I think it just makes dudes seem less threatening, and yeah, yeah it's definitely the best way to go. I I would imagine. <laughs> um, now you said you started on. Uh, on the AT with an Osprey pack. Mm-hmm. And, but I do know you are a, a brand ambassador for Hyperlite. So when mm-hmm. did that kind of transition happen? Yeah. Uh, so I hiked with an Osprey and that, cause I just didn't, I didn't know any better. I did minimal research for the AT. That's one nice thing about the AT is you can just like fuck up super hard. And there's so many towns that you can just like correct your mistakes as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hiker boxes are just like the promised land on the AT. <laughs> but yeah, I, I found out about ultralight gear as I hiked along the AT. I made some like assessments of different packs and stuff. And then when I went to the PCT, I bought myself a hyperlight pack. And then when I started shooting photography, I, I got a couple pictures on the PCT that they really liked and uh, used for um, like advertisement and promotion. And after that, they offered me uh, gear. So I went up to Hyperlite and visited with them and they gave me gear. So that's kind of how that transition happened. Nice. That's nice. I mean, it, it sort of organically happened through what you were doing already. Yeah. Just like taking pictures. And it was really encouraging too, to see like a company that was interested in my photos was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, really touching and like humbling and just made me want to do it even more. So yeah. That's nice. I like it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do for food while you were out there? <laughs> did you, I, I mean, I basically, I've heard kind of two sides of it. There's, there's the people who are like, I resupply min or I, I ship minimal food and I do most of my resupply in towns. And then there's the other where it's like, oh, it's almost all from a resupply box that somebody has shipped me. Like, where do you fall in that? Sure. I am a total trash person. So I am, again, I suffer from CBS. So I go into town and I resupply as cheaply as possible. If there are hiker boxes, I'll look and see what's in there. I never take everything because those people are the worst people on the face of the planet. So I'll just take a couple pieces. But uh, I eat off-brand macaroni and cheese every single night on a trail when I have a stove. Uh, I eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast. And if they have off-brand, I'll go for the off-brand. I eat a protein <laughs> bar after that. I eat uh, tuna wrap usually for lunch. Or if I'm super tired of tuna wraps, I go for bologna, which keeps surprisingly well, on some type of bread with mayo and chips. Always chips for lunch. And then, yeah, I do mac and cheese. And then for dessert, I do uh, either a big hunk bar or a chocolate bar or something like that rice crispy treats for my jam on the at i kind of burned out on those eating a big hunk bar cowboy camping because do you know what a big hunk bar is Mm-mm. 
Okay, a big hunk bar is a big old slab of nougat with peanuts in it, and it takes okay. a solid like ten minutes to chew through it because it's just like this super hard, like chewy taffy, and they're delicious. And what you do is you cowboy camp and you look up at the stars and you think about the universe and you chew through an entire big hunk bar, and it's the best. The best thing in the entire world. <laughs> like, it is my favorite thing. Me and my buddy Squints did it almost every single night on the PCT from the Sierras on. Wow. Okay. Yep. I'll, I'll have to record that uh, or remember that and, and try it. Yep. Big hunk bar. Look up at the stars. It's, the, it's so good. It's to, to die for. It is. It's, it's a good way to live. And, and so that was, that was basically your diet for five months? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I've eaten mac and cheese for a third of my life over the past three years every night for dinner. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, 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 the biggest secret, real cheese. Real cheese keeps way longer than you expect. Like it'll get kind of oily and slimy, but I cannot recommend anything more than real cheese. Extra sharp cheddar lasts even in the desert for like four or five days. And people will naysay in the beginning, but by the end, every person you see will have cheese in their pack mm-hmm. i i think i've seen i, I keep pe- hearing people referencing cheese and summer sausage mm-hmm. yeah that's not bad for some reason summer sausage gets old to me after i eat it once i can't do peanut butter on bread i'll eat peanut butter from a jar if i need extra calories and i'm like starting mm-hmm. so i kind of have a problem with keeping weight on on the i'm like six foot one and on the pct i got down to 143 pounds so i was just like 43 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got I got real skeletal oh, wow. towards the end. Yeah. So I would eat just peanut butter or Nutella from the jar just as mm-hmm. like extra calories. Wow. But yeah, got it. Got to take some cheese. It, it's it's interesting that you say that. Like I've spoken with somebody else um, as well, and they are also a taller guy and and had issues with weight loss and stuff. And and his go to was a stick of butter in peanut butter uh-huh. with you know, like chocolate or, or some other stuff as well, but like just to bury into the fat and the protein. Yep. That's, that's called a, that's called super butter. Okay. Yep. Super butter. I've not actually ever done super butter, but I've thought about doing it, especially in Colorado, just like, cause it's so much fat and like so many mm-hmm. calories will keep you warm for a while. But no, I've, I've never actually done that. Another, uh, hikers like classic meal is the ramen bomb. So you boil up ramen and then you dump a package of mashed potatoes in, and that's like mm-hmm. another like super butter and ramen bomb are like two like hiking staples yeah. that are kind of unique to the hiking world. It's funny listening to all of these meals, like the whole uh, you know food pyramid and proper allocation <laughs> of proteins and fats and carbs, just right. completely out the window. Oh yeah, yep, pretty much. Um, yeah, you you. It's like a kindergartner's fever dream of a diet. And you're crushing out marathons every day. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yep. <laughs> it's terrible. I eat way healthier when I'm at home. But mm-hmm. yeah, on trail, it's just cram as many calories. In my opinion, if it's not 100 calories per uh, ounce, it's not worth carrying. And the new thing I'm doing this wow. year is I do uh, Green Belly Bars. I got sponsored by Green Belly Bars. And their stuff's really tasty. And it's pretty good calories. And that's what I do for breakfast now. So instead of Pop-Tarts. Green Belly Bar, it's like a meal replacement bar. It's a third of everything you need in a day in a single package. 
So it's a 30 year calories, 30 year fats, 30 year everything. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're pretty dang tasty, especially the peanut butter or peanut apricot. And yeah, I do that for breakfast and that with like some water will hold me over until like 11 o'clock, almost noon. Oh, perfect. What time do you yeah. usually find yourself getting up in the morning? Uh, all of my friends make fun of me because I'm a late riser. Once I get into the swing of things, I'll start getting up at like seven. But on the AT, I was not moving before like eight thirty, nine o'clock. Oh, wow. That is late. So I was definitely a late riser. Um, but, you know, CDT, PCT, I got a little bit better. CDT, I was pretty good. I'd be up between like 630 and seven. And then GYT, I was up pretty much at seven every day. Wow. Did you do much night hiking? Uh, PCT, I did. Mm-hmm. I desert? don't like night hiking. Yeah, desert, definitely. I pretty much, you'd get up. So desert, I would get up early. You get up early, you hike until like 10 or 11 until the heat becomes too strong. You find shade and then you wait until like six o'clock and then eat dinner and hike until like 10, 11 at night. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Was that similar well, in New Mexico? Uh, no, because we were there in uh, October and November. So it was um, So, yeah, it was like balmy 70s, 80s. And then like at night, it would get down to freezing. So it was it was perfect. Nice. Did you do any following people on Instagram and, and uh, on YouTube? You hear you you hear or they talk about doing like crazy challenges or, or something to break up the monotony of the trail. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like how many miles can you do in 24 hours or how much McDonald's can you eat? Can you survive on just yep. McDonald's for, you know, until your next resupply? Like, did you do anything crazy like that or? So the ones I've done on the AT, there's the uh, half gallon challenge. Uh, so okay. when you get to Pennsylvania, it's called it's at a place called like Pine Furnace, Pine Grove Furnace or something like that. It's like a little state park and there's a little store there. And they do the half gallon challenge and you eat like, you know, your standard tub of ice cream. Then you go back and buy a pint. And I thought there'd be like a time limit on it or something, but there wasn't. Uh, I did that uh, with a couple friends and destroyed it. I thought it would be I would feel gross, but I was so hungry at the time. I ate it, I think, in like 23 minutes. I ate a half gallon of ice cream. Wow. The PCT, there's the pancake challenge, which I found out only like two people have ever finished and neither of them were hikers, but I think it's like five pounds of pancakes or something ridiculous like that. I chose not to do that one. <laughs> um, there is, those. I think that's all I've really done and I've come across besides the 24 challenge. Have you heard about the 24 challenge? Uh-uh. No. Okay. The 24 challenge is kind of becoming frowned upon. But the goal is to drink 24 beers in 24 hours and do 24 miles. And you can break it up however you want. And I had a buddy who attempted it and ended up with a missing persons report for a little bit on him. Oh, uh, boy, can, I can see. Yeah. On the PCT, there's a there's two trail angels that are exactly 24 miles apart from each other. So people mm-hmm. attempted between there. Right. So he did it, succeeded. And then just in the middle of the night, got up and just ran away drunk and he disappeared. And then there were missing persons reports filed. Somebody called like the sheriff's office. And then he just showed back up with like bloody feet and was like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I came to and I was in like a ditch. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. okay. Yeah. Super dumb. Super so dumb. that one, that's, that's one of the funnier challenges, but I, 
I don't think I would do it. The the possibility of injury is is so high. Yeah, it that'd be a really embarrassing, dumb way to end your hike, in my opinion. True, very true. Like, why'd you, why'd you get off trail? Oh, I tried to drink, you know, a twenty four pack, and then hike twenty four miles. Oh, don't give people ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you ever do any uh any of the challenges like of uh hiking for 24 hours, how many miles could you hike without stopping any of those type of things? Or I never did 24 hours. Uh, my biggest day is 44 miles. I pushed 44 miles in, uh, great divide basin, uh, on the CDT. And I should have pushed, I wanted to get to 50 and I should have pushed to 50, but I was so tired and I made it to all my other friends. And like, I was just so done that I just collapsed but I, I wish that I had just like, I don't know, pushed through and done the 50. Mm-hmm. How many, how uh, long but, did that take you? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I got up probably, I think I got up around five to try to beat the heat. And then I think I finished around like 10, 10 to 11, probably somewhere in there. Wow. It was a full day. Yeah, it was, it was a long day. I, I, I remember I had finished. By the time I sat down for lunch, I had finished 20-something miles. But then I kind of like sat down, and I was so tired, I took a longer break than I should have. Got up and then just like pushed pushed most of the rest of the day, just like not mm-hmm. stopping. And, and in that longer break, there went your 50 miles. Yeah, exactly. Like if I had just gotten up, or if I just like, I don't know, ate a caffeine pill or like found somebody with coffee, I could have mm-hmm. pushed on. But I just... I think it was like a group failure type thing. There's, I think there were like four or five of us who wanted to do the 50. And then we kind of all like got to the spot and we like looked at each other and we're like, so are we going to keep going or are we just going to go to bed? And I think the consensus was that we were going to go to bed. How does the mental game play in all of this? I mean, there are going to be days that are horrendous, tough, you know, whatever, how do you get through those? Does it help to have people around you who can pull you through it? Yeah. Uh, the mental game is the hardest part about a through hike, in my opinion. Um, it's super physically challenging, but the reason people quit is they get broken mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's tough. That is, it's real hard. Um, I had a rule for myself on the AT. I was not allowed to quit unless I wanted to quit three days in a row. So if I had a super shitty day, I would like, I'd be like, I would assess. I'd be like, man, do I like want to keep doing this? And I'd be like, I don't want to keep doing this. And I was like, all right, so this is day one of not wanting to do it. And I mm-hmm. never made it past two days of not wanting to do it. There's always like, nice. my my biggest thing is, is like, you never quit on a rainy day, never quit on a bad day. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I use a couple different tactics. Because um, again, like it gets boring. Like, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, people wax poetically about these trails, but like, it's, it's really mentally hard. And then it gets really boring. Like all you're doing all day is walking. You get up and walk. Um, I've got a couple of friends right now who are done multiple trails and they go out to do something, do a trail and they'll quit just because they're burned out on hiking and just like, they just need a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use podcasts. I really like listening to podcasts. Um, that's a good way I find to distract myself and like keep engaged with something else. And then being around people helps me a lot. So like somebody you have to talk to and usually like if you're struggling with something, you're not the only one. So it's always nice to like, 
you know, bitch about something and then hear your friend be like, yeah, dude, like I'm feeling it too. Like this sucks. And it's like, yeah. And then you're not going through it alone. Right. Is there, does it also happen on the other side where, where like you're going through something or they're going through something, but you're, you're up at that moment so you can help kind of pull them back from oh, the edge. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There's, there, that happens a lot, both sides of the coin. I've been down and I've had friends pull me back up and then I've had friends come up to me when I'm, I'm doing pretty well and mm-hmm. being able to like talk them with, with them and, you know, get them from doing something they might regret like quitting. Yeah. I, I've heard somebody, a friend of mine basically said, cause they, she was hiking with uh, another person and she said, we made an agreement up front that we wouldn't quit unless both of us were on the same page at the same time. And they were never on the same page at the same time in terms of quitting. And mm. that was sort yeah. of their way of pushing through it. That's awesome. That's, that's a good way to do it. I, I like having, I think it's good to go in with like some rules for yourself, kind of like that, mm-hmm. where like, you're not allowed to quit unless X, you know? Yeah. How did like injury and, and, those type of things play into that. Um, I mean, I was reading your, your little, uh, your Instagram post at the end of the CDT and you had like a laundry list of things that went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Um, or maybe it was the PCT, but you were talking about rib and molar and yeah. Oh, that was, that was definitely PCT. Oh yeah. I chipped the molar. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, uh, PCT, I dislocated a rib. I have no idea how. I literally woke up with a dislocated rib and was crying. It was like four in the morning. I woke people up and I had to hike like 20 something miles and I got and saw a doctor and that was their best guess. And then like, I, I it thankfully fixed itself, but was sore for a while. I think I just like, I think I was cold and I was kind of like bound up weird in my sleeping bag and then did a weird maneuver. Probably the lamest way you could possibly dislocate a rib. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. Quitting was an option. I mean, like if that pain didn't go away, then clearly I'd have to take time off or get off trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had an injury that was so bad. I had to get off trail. I rolled my ankle super badly on the PCT and it hurt for like weeks. And I still get these like weird, like cracks in that ankle now, but it, you know, my whole thing is, is if it's not debilitating to where you can't walk, I'm going to keep going. Um, I kind of made that rule for myself later on. And, uh, I think, I don't know, things that I faced that have made me want to quit more than anything are really bad bugs. Uh, mosquitoes can just be absolutely hellish to where Mm -hmm. you can't take breaks because they're so thick and they stop respecting the deed. And then, you're just swarming them. Like the Sierras can be, were, were really, really bad for us. It was like, I didn't know mosquitoes could be that bad. And then the same thing in Yellowstone this year, we were there such early season that like we had wet feet for like a week and a half, two weeks of that trail, just because everything's melting and the mm-hmm. mosquitoes were just hellish, just clouds of them. Like you'd end up with just clouds, like rain clouds above your head and just, you, you can't stop. There's nothing you can do. You get to camp, you set up your tent, you dive in and just like finally breathe in like the calm. And then you just watch them like try to get into your, to your mosquito net. And you're like, ha, idiots. Did you carry like a, a net with you or like a head net yeah. or a face with you? I, I definitely recommend that for the PCT. 
specifically in the Sierras and parts of NorCal. And then the CVT, I carried it the whole time too, because the, the flies, the biting flies in Montana were insane for like the first 700, 800 miles. We were in yeah. constant horse flies and biting flies and black flies. But I, I carry that thing with me always just in case. Cause it's like that mental safety net for me. Like, right. I'm like, I know the bugs aren't going to be bad, but just in case they are, I've got this. Cause that drives, I think that drives me crazy more than anything when they like fly next to your ear while you're walking and you just hear that like high pitched, like buzz. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll throw on my head net like quicker, I think than most through hikers. Yeah. Um, I just, I, that, that just messes with my head. That's, that's almost like a, a torture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's like, and there's nothing you can do about it. You have no options. You're just like, well, fuck, this is my life. Like, oh, well, I guess this is just me now. Do you also have like a long sleeve? What about your hands? What about legs? I mean, are you kind of robing up yeah. for it or? So I always wear a long sleeve button up is what I find to work best. Okay. Um, Cause then like if the sun's bad, you can pop the collar up to help protect your neck. Uh, you can roll up the sleeves and it's short sleeve. If it's like a little chillier, you can roll them down. I found this year, cause I used to use hundred percent deep spray. Um, and I found two problems with it. One, um, if the mosquitoes can find any spot that the deet isn't touching, it doesn't work. They'll bite that spot. Um, and then two, if it leaks, it will eat the plastics of your pack or yeah. whatever it gets on. So I find that deet lotion works way better. 40% deet lotion I found more effective than 100% deet spray. So deet lotion is what I use. And I figured that out this year. Um, and then I keep the head net always on me. So it really isn't that the deet doesn't work. It's just that they find every weakness in it or they every exactly. break in it. Essentially. Yep. So deet doesn't actually kill them. It just repels them. So they'll still mm-hmm. come in and then they'll touch the skin where it has deet on it and then fly away. Um, oh, there's promethrin. So you can promethrin treat your clothes and that will knock down and kill them. So if they touch your clothes that are treated in promethrin, it'll have a knockdown effect. Okay. I'm just usually too lazy to buy a bottle of permethrin, spray my clothes and then wash them is honestly right. what it comes down to. Also, I'm like kind of paranoid of it, like leaching through your clothes, even though I know it's probably not the best for you. Like, I don't know why, but permethrin just like freaks me out. Well, I, I, when you, when you're saying that to me and I'm like, they touch it and they die, it just makes me feel a little concerned about myself touching it. Like what happens? Yeah. There? Right. And you're just like steeping in your clothes for like four or five days straight before you can wash them again. And you're just like, man, I'm sweating real hard. Like I wonder yeah. what kind of chemicals are just leaching into my body that are strong enough to kill these mosquitoes on contact. Yep. I know my cells are open and receiving. Yeah. Yeah. Just dying. All your skin's just withering. Yeah. Uh how did you do it with like resupply boxes and bouncing boxes and stuff like that? Did you have a box that you were bouncing forward or? Uh, no, um, I don't typically do bounce boxes. I'll hold on to equipment until I'm pretty much, I think I'm done with it and then send it home. So like bear canisters are a nightmare. And the second I could get rid of it, I just packed it. I just literally, you just slap a delivery sticker on it. You don't have to put it in a box and you just ship it off. Um, <laughs> As far as resupply boxes, I only do one if I think it's just going to be the best option. So if it's like a really expensive resupply spot, I'll like have 
stuff at home pre-packed ready to go and then i have my mom set it out okay and then sometimes like like the the cdt there are some places where you don't have an option like your option is resupply box like uh the first if you're going southbound the first or the second section from east glacier to i think helena your option is flag ranch which is a resupply box or you can hitchhike into lincoln which is where the unibomber's from um, and we chose to do Flag Ranch, which the only option was a box. So I, I tend not to use boxes unless I do it for like national parks a lot because their prices are so inflated right. that I'll send boxes there. So I did the same thing for Yellowstone for Old Faithful Village. I did a box. So your your sort of philosophy is keep it as simple as possible. Keep it as simple as possible. Also, like typically people will overpack their resupply boxes. Which is great. If you're with, like on the PCT, if you're hiking with people who are sending boxes, you know that you're going to get food from them. Like they're going to pack too much and then give you food. It's like pretty much guaranteed. Every box, they're like, hey, like who wants like a box of mac and cheese and some fruit leather mm-hmm. and like this bar? They're like, ah, oh, man, I can't eat this anymore. Like I'm so tired of it. Like I don't think I can handle it. Like does anybody want it? Um, so I think it's better just to be flexible. Cause if you're so burned out on a food, you literally can't even like stand the sight of it anymore. Then if you're buying food rather than resupply boxes, then you can switch up your options. Yeah. Interesting. And you're just, you're not sure like how hungry you're going to be. So you could overpack, but worse than that, you could underpack. So right. then all of a sudden you're in trouble. What was your longest time on the trail? That would be the CDT. And it's, uh, we did 200 miles, I think, around that. I think it might have been more than that. It was like 200 to like 220, somewhere in there. But yeah, it's from East Glacier to Helena. We were on trail the whole time. We popped into Flag Ranch, which was literally just like a little shack in the woods where they'll like bring out a package to. Um, and then we camped in like a little, uh, I think it was like a government, like one of the government run like pull up campsites. Mm-hmm. So that was like the only bit. Besides that, we were just out in the wilderness. Uh, it's called the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. It's like one of the largest wilderness areas in the entire country, and just you're in okay. the middle of nowhere. Wow. So how so? How many days would that be on the trail between resupplies? Uh, I think we did that in about ten days. But you had something that came into the Flag Ranch or whatever for you. So yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So we left with like five days from East Glacier, got to Flag Ranch, resupplied with a box there, and then continued. So just to to reiterate, uh, you said you were on trail for about 10 days, but but it was really about five days between resupplies? Yeah, just about. Yep. Okay. Probably probably like five days. I don't like, I I hate carrying more than five days just because it's so damn heavy. What was your, like, what was your base weight? What, and then what was your weight with water and, and food? Okay, so typically food is about two to two and a half pounds a day okay. um, for me. And then my base weight is about 17 pounds with my camera gear. And then water in that section, I think we only had like one 15 mile waterless stretch. Like there's a decent amount of water in Montana mm-hmm. and the CDT in general. There aren't like too big of waterless stretches. So I was probably never carrying more than like two liters oh, and wow. okay. it's, it's two pounds per liter. So what is that all together? So we're like at like 10 pounds, probably like maybe like 15 pounds of food, 17 pounds of base weight. So 
32 plus. So like 40 pounds, probably max okay. 40 to 45 would be my guess. How would that compare to say like the desert on the PCT where obviously you're going to have to carry a lot more water with you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the PCT had the longest dry stretches. Thankfully there are water caches, mm-hmm. but there's a rule of thumb that I really like to follow, uh, which is like never rely on a water cache. Even if you're like pretty much guaranteed to be there, I just don't like the idea of not having water. Yeah. Um, so the longest on the PCT is like 46 miles, I think, of no water. Uh, but there are several water caches throughout. And I carried six liters. And what I'll do is I'll get to a water cache, drink a liter, and fill a liter. So okay. I kind of use it as like a bonus. Mm-hmm. And six liters is brutally heavy because it's also just like awkward because like you'll have like your water bladders and that's like a hell of a lot of weight and then you have to like figure out where to place it in your pack yeah but yeah the 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 pct desert the southern california is pretty rough so is northern california people underestimate like how hot and brutal northern california is going to be and then everybody thinks oregon's the promised land and then you get to oregon and it's more desert until the (laughs) final day of oregon you're in desert I will everybody out there, Oregon is not the promised land. Good to know. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with desert and you're like, oh man, can't wait to get to Oregon, Pacific Northwest, like, ah, it is desert. And then it turns into like volcanic desert and you're just walking on volcanic rock, which like shreds your feet and socks and turns your legs like dark black. Yeah. It's not, it's not forests and green. (laughs) It's not, it's not our image of rain no green and nope not until you get to mount hood the day before you get to mount hood it'll start transitioning to that but in my head that's how it went is it was desert most of the time like you know there's like trees like northern california and that there's like you know trees with moss on it but it's not like it's not lush forest or like cool it's pretty hot deserty forest Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense even even around crater lake in that area which is obviously highly volcanic but yeah 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 definitely yeah, all that all that area is like yeah, pretty volcanic, pretty dry, dusty. Mm-hmm. Did you did you carry a stove with you on each trail? I carried a stove until this trail, the GYT, and then I experimented uh, with cold soaking. And my thought for that was, if I cut a pound, which is my my uh, cook setup, I can carry a tripod. So I ditched it so I could carry a tripod. Okay, was it worth it? Uh, no, because my tripod, I lost uh, the base plate to it. So then I just sent home my tripod. I was like, well, at least a pound's out of my pack. Got it. Okay. So ended up not being the reason that I did cold soaking, but cold soaking is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It definitely is something I would not do if it was going to be cold outside. Mm -hmm. But if it's hot, it's not that bad. Okay. And how long was the the GYT? Uh, It's about 500 miles. So it's it's a fair distance, but it's not months and months and months on end. No, 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 no. It it was it's five hundred miles, and we went out to like have fun and chill and not crush. So we did it in like a month plus with like lots of zeros in the mm-hmm. donation hostels and things like that. Got it. So I'm going to circle over to something we were talking really briefly about at the very beginning, which is the best and worst days on trail. Yeah, cool. Um, on each of the trails, actually. Okay. Um, what's kind of your, your memory, your takeaway from those? All right. So best day on the AT. God, it's been so long ago. And like, 
there's huge ch- like okay all right all right best day on the at is when we got to franconia ridge or notch or whatever it's called in the whites uh because we started super late uh we had a bunch of box wine with us and we were like we get to the shelter and we're like you know like i think we should just like push up to franconia ridge and we're like you know what? Yeah, let's do it. So we like went up there and you break tree line and it's beautiful. It's like the best part of the whole AT. And like we got it and usually it's super crowded because it's like a lot of people go up to the whites just mm-hmm. for weekends and stuff. But we had the whole thing to ourselves because it was sunset. So we just are like hiking it. We have like pretty far to go to get to our next uh, shelter that we can stay at. So we're just like drinking box wine and hiking into the night. And it was awesome. Uh, worst day on the AT was probably, we had two weeks straight of rain in Pennsylvania and it was so bad. The tree roots were getting so soaked. Trees were just coming down and we had a tree come down in our campsite, like a massive oak. And we all woke up thinking that somebody had died, um, cause it was so loud and the like ground shook. And then the next day there was a tornado in the town that we went down into. So we were like camped out during a tornado and it was like hailing and flooding. And that was pretty terrible. What did you do to mother nature? I know it was, it was, it was scary. Those two weeks were terrible. Uh, PCT, my best day ever was the day that I tried acid for the first time in my life. Um, I had a super prophetic dream up in Oregon. And then I decided because of that prophetic dream and what was going on around me, I decided it was time to try acid. So I ate some acid, enjoying the beauty area with friends who also were uh, partaking in the experience. And it was beautiful. Um, My worst day was dislocating my rib in the desert, probably. The CDT, I have no idea what the best day would be. The worst day would be uh, we got into a huge thunderstorm. Ooh, actually there's two. Uh, so we got into a huge thunderstorm, turned into straight hail. We're hiking up a mountain pass in Colorado. It turns into pretty harsh snow conditions. And then the, the temperature starts plummeting so hard that like we're starting to have our wet clothes freeze a bit. So we decided to set up way early to try to get warm. And that was the night I couldn't sleep at all because I was so cold. Everything was wet. My freezing bag froze completely stiff. Uh, in the morning, my buddy made coffee and it was so cold. Uh, it was cold coffee, but the liquid coffee went from liquid to ice in like five to 10 minutes. That was really scary. And and then, uh, the other possibly worst days we were hiking out of the Creed cut off back into the San Juans, make it back up into, into the snow line. It's about knee deep snow. And then it started to melt because it was getting warm. So there was like an inch or two of water underneath all the snow. So you're post holding down and then squishing into water. So it was freezing cold. And then a thunderstorm blew on top of us and we were up on a ridge and the ridge that we were on got struck by lightning and I thought we were going to die. So I was running for my life, almost crying. Oh, wow. And the best day I really don't know. Ah, the CDT was really rough for me mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there was like a best day that stands out in my mind. Um, the GYT, the best day is probably for me, it was, uh, it was at um, Temple Lake and we had a, I bought a Tenkara fishing rod and we were just catching like, we caught like 15 fish 
Spanish trout that I was cold soaking, so I was eating hot trout, which was delicious. Um, and the Milky Way was popping, and I did some Milky Way shots, and we had this beautiful fire up there, and it was just, it was perfect. It was just like one of my favorite spots in the whole world that I've been to. And the worst day was when, uh, where I routed the trail, uh, we did a big bushwhack, and what I thought would take one day of bushwhacking ended up taking three and a half days, um, and we were running out of food. Uh, the mountain pass that I thought would be doable when we got there looked almost not doable. And we managed to get up and over on the way down. There ended up being a waterfall where we didn't expect. And we almost <laughs> like we had to go across these like really sketchy, like super steep uh, sides of this mountain. And then we got to where there was supposed to be a land bridge between two lakes. And it was so funny. We couldn't cross there. But then we found a half gallon of whiskey and everything was better. <laughs> and life was good again. And then life was pretty rad. <laughs> um, if you could circle back to the to the PCT really quickly in the a- the acid yeah. because you kind of broke sure. up there, and I want to make sure that people hear this story. Oh yeah, yeah. I I could just tell the story. I'll try to be brief with it. But I had this really insane dream. I was at the Lulali Lake uh, Resort, which is literally just a shack. I don't know why they call it a resort, but there's this beautiful lake and this gorgeous mountain in the background. I don't know which mountain. And I had this dream that I was standing out on the dock and it was like extremely vivid. And this native woman, she was visiting me and she was telling me that if I couldn't find a way to live in the moment, then like everything I'm doing will be for no reason whatsoever. And I'll never find happiness if I can't live in the moment. And she was telling me about how she's like sad that she's like trying to help the people that come through her area, but like is sad that she's being bothered. And then I woke up and heard a deer run in the woods and I was like really like shook up by this dream. So I tell all my friends in the morning and we start walking and maybe like four miles in, I find two of my friends in front of a sign that's like, welcome to the blah, 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 like native uh, land. And I was like, oh, whoa, like that's a little uncanny. Uh, and I, I'm not a superstitious person, but I just like I felt like I needed to eat the acid and just like embrace it. And I truly lived in the moment that day. And it was the most gorgeous day of my life it was the day that it turns from desert into pacific northwest so the trees get humongous and big and the bark is just super like textured and it was really special and it everything was, awesome. was, in, was in technicolor oh it was like tube tv 90s nickelodeon super potent super strong we were answering phones that were invisible like talking to each other laughing the whole day we were saying that everything looked like a Bob Ross painting. So we were talking about how everything's Rossin, like, oh, it's Rossing over here. It's Rossing over there. We got trail magic and we were like too afraid to like go up to the trail magic. And we were like trying to play it off. And then somebody just like accidentally let it slip that we're all like loony. We had no water, but nobody was drinking. And then we were squirting Mio into it because the colors were really cool. It was, it was awesome. It was a super. Oh, wow. That sounds very wild. <laughs> It was, it was it, I I got from it what I wanted from it, which was, you know, living in the moment and not focusing on other stuff. And it was it was really special. Have have you been able to take that back into the real world? Or back into life? Uh yeah, it's something I need to I need I need to remind myself of it a lot. I tend to like focus too much on the future, so sometimes I gotta like sit back and get I gotta focus on the now. Even on trail, I'll do that. I'm like planning stuff off in the future that doesn't really matter. And it's like, you know, like you're going to get back home and then 
you know, be looking back on the trail and being like, man, that was awesome. Like, I wish that I had been more in the moment. So mm-hmm. I tried to apply that, especially on the GYT. I tried to do headphoneless, and I ended up going with as minimal headphones as I could. I would occasionally pop them in if it was miserable, but I really tried to live in the moment for the GYT. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the GYT, because this is something that you've, you and, and your friend have kind of been building. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, just so that yeah. know what you're talking about. Cool. The GYT uh, is a dream. Was uh, this trail that me and my buddy Oil Can came up with? Uh, and after researching, like several other people have done similar things. Uh, There's a guy who did something similar this year, Hubcap Coffee. But we tried to make something that would be repeatable as a through hike, and it's through our favorite areas ever. Um, it's a 500 mile route. I'll call it a route because there is some like uh, cross country navigation. Nothing too intimidating. Um, but yeah, it goes from, uh, the idea is it goes through the entirety of the Yellowstone ecosystem. So it starts up in the Northern bit, uh, where it goes from desert up into the Yellowstone ecosystem and then it exits out of the Wind River range. So you go in, in the Beartooths in Montana, which are gorgeous and you go through there, uh, you pop into the Northeastern entrance of the Yellowstone park. Uh, you go and try to, we try to get you to hit as many Yellowstone highlights as possible. You get to walk along the rim of the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. You go through the, uh, the basin, the main basin, the old faithful basin. You go into, um, we take you through Lamar Valley where the wolves should be. Like we try to give you the best chance to see wolves. Um, and then you pop out, uh, in the Southern bit, kind of Southwestern bit of the park. And then you go, uh, directly into the Tetons. Uh, once you get through the Tetons, go into uh, the Grovevant Wilderness, which was beautiful, way better than I've ever imagined the wildflowers I've ever seen are in the Grovevants. And then you go into the Wind River Ranch, and you do the Wind River High Route, the, the, Dixon, the Dixon Route. I saw on your... And yeah, it's, it's awesome. On your Instagram, it, you had a map that was kind of it was kind of drawn out on. Mm-hmm. Does that does that represent yeah, what so, you ended up doing? Yeah, so we we did minor changes to it as we went. We found a couple things to be impassable, and we rerouted it. Uh, we have what's going to be the official route for now, and uh, we're writing a guidebook at the moment. And then the plan is we'll sell the guidebook plus a GPX file, so you can have GPS for it, and we'll sell that bundle for probably like ten bucks. Okay. And it'll be like full guide of like towns, where to send resources, what to expect in each area, things like that. As there basically is a path through that entire, on that entire route, or were you doing a little bit of bushwhacking? And I would say it's a little, it's a little bit of bushwhacking. It's mostly trail, but there, there's a decent amount of bushwhacking, okay. enough to like have fun but not be annoyed. Would be my, my assessment of it. There's a couple spots where it does suck to bushwhack but it's for a pretty short amount of time. Got it. Okay. But like the wind, the wind river high route is mostly bush. It's up in the Alpine and it's beautiful and it's better to see it that way. Honestly, I prefer it than to a trail for those areas. Okay. If people want to find you, where, where is the best place to find you at this point? Uh, Instagram is the best place to find me. Um, Cheesebeard underscore hikes is my handle. I'm going to be starting up a website here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, but I've been saying that for the past year. So 
we'll see if that actually happens soon. But the goal will, I'll have a website hopefully by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. And please, uh, please let me know or send the, the link to me when you, when you've got it up and going. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Um, is there anything you feel like we didn't talk about or didn't cover or missed? No, honestly, like that was a pretty good cover. I think of my hiking experience and advice that I would want to give to new through hikers. I think like the biggest one being like dial in your gear if you can and like really make sure you don't quit on a rainy day. There are going to be days where you want to quit. Nobody does those trails without wanting to quit. They're, like it's inevitable. There's going to be a day that just sucks super hard and you're going to get to the end of it and be like, fuck this. Like, God, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's every time I've never been disappointed by pushing through, like, you know, there'll be, there'll be good times to be had after that. It's not, this is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know anybody who didn't or who, anybody who did not not quit and then regret it. So nobody's regret doing the trails is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I got it. I got it. Thank you so much, Josh. This was amazing. Yeah. It was really good to talk to you. Uh, It's so much fun. I, I can drill down into the minutia of all of this through hiking thing. It just, it's so much fun. So I, and I'm excited. it's, It's, it's a lifestyle. It's, I can't wait for you to get out there. It's, it's really something special. Like I, I can't recommend it enough. Anybody who has the inkling of wanting to do a through hike, just do it. Like it's just find it's a way to do amazing. it. Yeah, it's it's the greatest thing I've ever done, and yeah, I would recommend it to anybody who has like the dream to do it one day. Is just go out there and do it. Yeah, it are you like doing it. any training hikes on the lead up to it? I probably will next year. Okay. Right now, I'm I'm trying to get sort of some injuries covered and taken care of, okay. and and that kind of thing. So I'm I'm starting pretty small. Um, but certainly next year. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, and since I'm down in LA, you know, and, and the trail is right around in here, I could probably actually do a few, few miles on the trail itself. Yeah. I'm not that far away at all. It actually, it stays, I think around the LA area for quite a while. Yeah. It's kind of circles around it. Have you talked to Frodo? Have I talked to Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I didn't, go with them but there are trail angels in la who will pick you up and then drive you to the trailhead no i have now what is this be, please do tell <laughs> yeah i think their names are like frodo it's like frodo and somebody but they'll pick you up let me search it real quick okay frodo trail angel pct scout and frodo they have a website okay uh and so they will house any U.S. hiker for one night, take them to, to, to the uh, border, um, and they'll hold international hikers for up to three nights. And I think they're in L.A. I will definitely look them up. But yeah, they're like some of the more famous trail angels because a lot of people start their trip by going to them and then getting driven to the border because they do that service. Yeah. No, and that's the and that's the difficult part is like if you get down to San Diego, like getting to the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and they're. I think they run. I think they they do it for donations. I believe. Okay. Is the way that they work it. But yeah, super cool people. There's also Hiker Heaven, uh, which isn't too far from LA, mm-hmm. and uh, their last name's the Softleys. And the Softleys, uh, when Nat Geo did a reasons to hike the PCT, they were listed as one of the top reasons to do the PCT. Oh really? 
Nice. Yep. And I, I don't know if they still run it. I think they might have quit because they didn't like the direction that the community is going with through hiking. They were kind of tired of, of hikers. So they might have quit doing it, but they'd be okay. interested to talk to either way, maybe about like the evolution of the through hiking culture. Yeah, no, definitely. They probably have quite a perspective on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They've seen pretty much everybody from, I think they started doing it in like the seventies or eighties. They started housing people. It's such a, it's such a fun community. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's cool because it's such a small kind of like tight knit community. And links for Josh's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Josh for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I would love to hear about your trail stories as well. So please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. Please also find us on your favorite podcast provider and uh, leave a review. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>